0: It is the 200-level Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Monday evening, and I was planning on doing a podcast anyway, but then breaking news and absolutely gigantic news in a story that is probably not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. Terrence Shannon and his team of attorneys have filed a request for a temporary restraining order Monday in Champaign County Court, seeking the suspended Illini basketball stars return to the team. Now, this news broke, to be quite honest with you, when I was getting cleaned up after a run, and then I get out of the shower, and then I see that my text messages have just blown up. And sure enough, it's Isaac and Trevor like, whoa, you know, breaking news, And what the heck does this mean? And because this is an instant reaction thing, and we've never had to do an instant reaction quite like this, it's very different than, let's say, reacting to what we saw on the basketball court, There might be moments where we fumble around and I question whether or not to still do a podcast tonight because I was planning on talking about the team and a really big game against Michigan State coming up. But some of the things I do remember from journalism school were timeliness and relevance in this game. This story, I should say, has both of those. To quite a high degree. And I think what we're going to do first is read the News Gazette article that was published uh, just about an hour ago, and this was written, I believe, yes, by Bob Osmussen. We'll read that first. There are some tweets from Jeremy Warner that have some clarification from Terrence Shannon's attorneys, and then we will kind of discuss what this means, both in terms of off the court and potentially on the court, because this would be Huge news, not just here locally, but also across college basketball. I mean, we're talking about a situation in which someone accused and charged with rape and a secondary charge of sexual battery is not countersuing Lawrence, Kansas or you know, nothing like that, not countersuing the, the plaintiff. Instead, they're taking this to the Champaign County Court and filing a restraining order against who? The university themselves. So before we get into the story, I'm going to read it from Bob Osmussen. We'll try to parse through it the best we can. Uh, for those that are in the YouTube chat feed, we'd love to hear from you. And we're going to do the sponsors first and get right into this. So real quick, D- DP Doe, I'm on at DP Doe for all the dot com. Jeez Louise, for all the best deals and prices. go online to DP Also, Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. I don't know if you've seen the forecast. Next week. Absolute bone bone chilling cold. You might want to make sure that that furnace is working tip-top shape. So give Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing a call today at 217-841-4728. Also, Owen Builders online at owenbuildersllc.com for all your home exterior, patios, decks, home additions, all that kind of stuff. These guys are great at it. And you can check out a gallery of their excellent work online at owenbuildersllc.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. got to thank champagne showers podcast network appreciate their partnership and appreciate you the listeners and the uh, few viewers on this impromptu 200 level on a monday evening again not impromptu because i was going to do one anyway one sec here i was going to do one anyway but this certainly changes what the heck we're going to be talking about so Here is the story from the News Gazette, published 57 minutes ago as I read this, so it is 5.30 p.m. Central now. This came out about 4.30. From Bob Osmussen, the headline, Shannon asked court to grant order, allowing his return to team. Attorneys representing Terrence Shannon Jr. filed a request for a temporary restraining order Monday in Champaign County court, seeking the suspended Illini basketball star's return to the team. Shannon, suspended by the school's athletic department since December 28 following a rape charge in Lords, Kansas, is citing lack of due process and lack of contact with the three-person university panel considering his case. Quote, TJ has consistently maintained his innocence. All we want is a fair process and we haven't gotten one yet, Mark Goldenberg, an attorney with Shannon's legal team, told the News Gazette on Monday. If the temporary restraining order is granted, it could allow Shannon to be back with the team this week. Illinois hosts Michigan State on Thursday and Maryland on Sunday. In a 28-page filing naming UI trustees and President Tim Killeen as defendants, or is it Killeen? President Killeen. There we go. Sorry. Attorney said, quote, In being hit with the suspension, TJ was subjected to a futile and unfair exercise. Behind closed doors in a meeting, without TJ being present, Illinois acted as judge, jury, and executioner of TJ's future by suspending TJ from the team before the resolution of the charges, eradicating the presumption of innocence and other due process to which TJ is entitled, end quote. Also addressed, and some bullet points here from Bob Osmussen, Shannon's basketball future beyond Illinois, quote, there is no way to calculate in money terms the damage that is being done to TJ with each day of the suspension, end quote. The charges, quote, unless dismissed, will not be resolved through trial until after the June 27th, 2024 NBA draft. Also, the prosecutor's office handling the case in Kansas, quote, has a recent history of wrongfully convicting an African-American male KU student of rape, end quote. We'll touch back on some of these in a bit. Next bullet point. Shannon was accompanied by an Illinois graduate assistant to Kansas for the Illinois football game in September on the weekend of the alleged incident. That, lawyer said, contradicts the UI's claim that Shannon was not a part of the university's travel contingent. Hmm. Shannon was suspended from all team activities on December 28th, but remains on scholarship. His suspension was automatic per Illinois student-athlete misconduct policy and triggered by his arrest. That policy also dictates that a three-person student-athlete conduct panel convene within 48 hours to determine whether the available information, quote, justifies withholding the student-athlete from some or all athletic activities pending resolution of the charges or allegations, end quote. The details of that process remain unknown. UI spokeswoman Robin Kaler told the News Gazette last week that the discipline process is confidential, quote, as the athletic department has indicated, if Mr. Shannon's status changes, we will share that information," Kaler said last Tuesday. If the temporary restraining order is granted, the next legal step would be a preliminary injunction hearing. Shannon has missed three games since his indefinite suspension took effect. Illinois routed Fairleigh Dickinson and Northwestern at home before losing a five-point game Friday at number one Purdue. Elsewhere, let's see here. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. Going to go down a couple paragraphs here. The day after Shannon's suspension was announced, Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman answered questions from the media for 30 minutes at the State Farm Center, and since then, little information has been provided to the press and public. Worth repeating these last couple paragraphs here from Bob, who I think did a really good job of kind of wrapping up the story, very newsy article that he, he put together here. The alleged incident occurred the weekend of September 8th through the 10th. Shannon traveled to Lawrence, Kansas to attend the Illinois-Kansas football game on September 8th, but was not part of the university's official traveling party. On December 27th, the Douglas County District Attorney's Office issued an arrest warrant for Shannon. He turned himself in the following day, posted bail, and was released. Shannon's first scheduled court date in Douglas County is January 18th, the same day that Illinois plays at Michigan. Okay. Before we react to some of this, I want to hit a couple of tweets here from Jeremy Warner. Just got a call from one of Illini Terrence Shannon Jr.'s attorneys, Mark Goldenberg, who said Shannon's legal team will file a motion on Wednesday for a temporary restraining order against the UI to allow the guard to return to the court immediately. Quote, TJ has consistently or constantly maintained his innocence. All he wants is a fair process, and we don't believe he's gotten that yet. So that is where we are. Okay. Not going to pretend to be a lawyer, because I am not. Not going to pretend to know much about law, because I don't. But in reflecting on this for about the 30 minutes that I've had an opportunity to do so, I want to try to take a few different perspectives. The first one would be from the perspective of Terrence Shannon Jr. himself. And in order to do this, I am going to give him, as we're taught in, you know, high school classes, American government, all that, the presumption of innocence, innocence until proven guilty, right? So if we grant him that in his mind, in his soul, he knows that he did not commit this act, here is what he has viewed the last week and a half from his perspective. He gets arrested and charged with rape. An extremely serious crime, and I said this in the first podcast after this all came out, I mean, short of murder and and manslaughter, I suppose, the death of a person, I don't know if you could find a more serious allegation in our criminal justice system. It is just an absolutely abhorrent crime. So imagine if you're Terrence Shannon Jr., and in your mind, you know, you did not commit this act. You are going through the legal process. You will not have probably your real day in court until long after this season is over. As a fifth-year senior, he has millions of dollars on the line for his NBA draft prospects, probably some money on the line for this season as well, and he cannot practice his trade, which is basketball. Yeah, we could say student-athlete, but let's be honest. He is someone that will be making a career as a professional basketball player, whether that's in the NBA or somewhere else. Uh, That, of course, contingent on this case, right? So from his perspective, and I would grant by extension his lawyer's perspective, if he is maintaining his innocence and believes himself to be innocent, he's thinking to himself, well, why the hell do I have to wait? Why does the burden of proof fall on me? To go back to a three-person panel where the process is rather confidential and rather private, why does the burden of proof then fall on Terrence Shannon to say, hey, I didn't do this, when he will get that day in court months from now? So I can understand from his perspective and from his lawyer's perspective how this is not in line with the innocent until proven guilty, and I can also understand how they would say, well, you know, this is a university overstepping their bounds, Let's take this from the perspective of the university themselves, or more specifically, the athletic department. In a group thread with some friends, one of my friends said, man, the optics of this, it doesn't look good. And if you're Josh Whitman, what are you thinking? What are you feeling right now? And the initial reaction, of course, would be that Josh Whitman and the athletic department are feeling in some way slighted or insulted by what Terrence and his attorneys did. But if you... Take an extra second and think about this. In a way, this restraining order that they are filing is sort of circumventing the process and taking the athletic department out of it entirely. It is basically making the courts decide whether he is able to play, at which point, if they grant the restraining order, Josh Whitman or Brad Underwood or anyone in that DIA, or anyone at the university, can they really come out and say, yeah, we know what the court said, but because of a moral intuition or something, we, we just aren't going to play him. I don't know if they would do that. I think they would go with what the court said just as they looked at a charge against Terrence Shannon that began going through the courts and said, hey, we're going to use this charge that was filed as a means to indefinitely suspend him. Now, let's take it from the fans' perspective. This right now puts the very real possibility that Terrence Shannon Jr. is back on the court sooner rather than later. And as we sit here on a Monday night, that sooner rather than later could be as soon as Thursday against Michigan State at home. Now, I'll be there at that game. Karen and I are going. She's a Michigan State alum, so we'll each be wearing our, our team's apparel and Excited to see a pretty high-level Big Ten basketball game. What do we do as fans if a legal process puts him back on the court before we ourselves get more information as to what happened in Lawrence, Kansas? And I grant that by addressing this, it's addressing a secondary, tertiary, you go down the list, in terms of priorities, it does not come anywhere close to the number one priority, which is finding out what the hell happened in Lawrence, Kansas on September 9th. But how will we react if Terrence is to take the court and if it happens rather quickly? That That's something I'm kind of grappling with. I mean... <laughs> I said before on this podcast and trying to, in saying it, trying to be careful because I'm only hearing what I'm hearing from certain sources. And while I trust the veracity of what they're saying, there's also the possibility that the information is coming from one side, right? What I'm not getting a source directly from the plaintiff or the accuser. So that is what we would call a blind spot, right? A major blind spot. I don't think I'd be able to full-throated, yeah, because there is that uncertainty and conflict. I don't know also if I would, I mean, I'm not going to boo the guy because I don't know what happened. I'm not going to, what, a silent protest? I'm not, re- how do you as a fan kind of navigate this? Kind of tricky, right? There's a lot of layers to this onion that just by the story coming out, it was kind of like a bombshell, like, okay, Terrence Shannon filing a restraining order against the University of Illinois. Whoa. A very aggressive move by his lawyers. But in a way, the more I step back and think about it, this is something that a person who believes they are innocent would likely do. Now, let me be careful of the way I say that. I am not granting innocence to Terrence Shannon Jr. or saying, oh, he was, he's absolved because he's being aggressive here. That must mean he's innocent of it. But I do think that if someone is to take that next step, that aggressive step of actually <laughs> restraining order against the university of which of whom they're playing for, that is like, hey, I'm innocent. This is bull crap. I want to be back on the court. This is my livelihood. And there is a lot of honesty in that filing, the 28-page filing, which I've not read all of it, but just from the Bob Asmussen article, where his attorneys are directly addressing the livelihood aspect of this. This is such a weird balancing act because can we really have it both ways? I think in some ways we can. One thing that we should keep in mind with sexual assault cases is that the vast majority of them the vast majority of accusers something bad happened to them right and we need to be cognizant of that and i think there is something valuable in believing the account of people that go through sexual assault through rape sexual battery you you name it right there is value value and there's reason to believe in that because it is a difficult thing to admit let alone through the court system where enough details are going to become public, even if you remain Jane Doe, or in some cases, John Doe in situations like this. It is a very brave thing to come forward and say, something really bad happened to me. So on one hand, we hold this idea that I do think is true, that we should believe the accounts of the accuser, right? They're, they're, or, or we should give them the benefit of the doubt. And then on the other, there's this sort of overarching theme that we have, in our legal system that again we're taught from american government classes in high school and all of that that there is the presumption of innocence until proven guilty for everybody how do we balance those two things and i don't know what the easy answer is for that and we're about to probably have to reckon with that we, we probably are because this kind of aggressive restraining order i, I don't know if it's going to get thrown out of hand or not but I also get the notion that if the attorneys are going to file this, they feel pretty good about their chances. This early in the game, it doesn't feel like desperation. This feels like a very deliberate choice that they're making, and one that they feel they they have. They must feel that there's a shot, that they will get granted this restraining order. So... <laughs> That, that's kind of the question I ask you as a, as a listener, or even for you that are tuning into YouTube right now. If you were at the State Farm Center on Thursday, or let's just say within the next couple weeks, right? Because maybe this doesn't get resolved this week. But I do think that we are trending towards something where he will play for Illinois again. And if you said, well, Carp, are you excited from a basketball perspective? Of course. I love watch, watching Taron Shannon play basketball. I love this team as is and you throw him back into it, they're really freaking good. So the fan part of me is like, of course, what kind of silly question is that? But there is so many kind of murky and icky things about this. You know, as as a fan, do we need to feel necessarily guilt or anything like that? I don't think so. I think it's just being aware of how you're reacting and why you're reacting that way. And it's not easy. This is a very serious thing. But this today, filing this restraining order against the University of Illinois to me, wow. Bombshell. I mean, that this is this is really crazy. I-, I cannot recall in my Illini fandom or having been a broadcaster back in 935 or now a podcaster here. We had a lot of things come down the pike. I mean the Kendrick Nunn thing was icky and and just felt bad from the jump. Jalen Tate had a run, and Laurent Black had the knife at Canopy Club. The the John Gross era had more than its share, right? Darius Paul breaking car windows in France for God knows what reason. So we had all those things. And for the most part under Brad Underwood, at least what we know in public, that things have been pretty much on the straight and narrow. There haven't been many things that have gone, if hardly any, gone through the criminal justice system. So now that we get this, I mean, just from a story perspective, this thing is massive. He was a first-team All-American. He was a shoe in when this charge came down for a team that was just about to be in the top 10 and is still, even after the Purdue loss, in the top 10, and maybe justifiably so. And now, what is it, 10 days after he gets charged with rape in Lawrence, Kansas, And all the smoke that I've already talked about on the podcast. The the things that I think the athletic department felt that Terrence was innocent. That the team feels like he's innocent. I'm just saying what they feel like. I'm not saying that's what it is. The reality of it. But that is the reality of how they feel. And that now his attorneys are going in total aggressive mode. And they're using the University of Illinois. They're saying, okay, they're not going after the Lawrence, Kansas DA, right? Because they probably know that's not going to work. That is something that will have to go through the actual long process of court dates and all that. And maybe it sticks and maybe it doesn't. Terrence might have weeks that he spends in Kansas fighting this case in trial, which is what his attorneys said they intended to do, if it gets there. But this right here is something that they think, well, wait a second. We have a university that is appointing a three-person panel they're keeping the process confidential. And I'll even admit that after the Josh Whitman press conference, there were enough vague details or lack thereof where I thought, okay, three person panel, how was it appointed? Things like that. Where even if Josh was giving a few specifics, it does sound like, okay, well, they meet in a room and it's really kind of on the low down and then they make a ruling. Can they change their ruling? Sure, if new information comes to light. But, and then the 48 hour period, that had a lot of confusion around New Year's and uh, understandably though I don't think we were going to get a response, 48 hours after the Fairleigh Dickinson game, which is what some Illini fans felt. He said, 48 hours, where's the where's the decision? This is not an impossible position to be in, but it's damn close. And I talked about, uh, from a fan's perspective, how are we going to react if we're back at the State Farm Center and Terrence is on the court? What is the athletic department going to do? And I think the the, the short and easy answer to that is, they're going to go with what the court said. I don't think they're. I don't think they're. They're going to try to overstep that. And if the court grants the restraining order, Terrence is going to play like nothing happened. And maybe nothing did. I don't know. But that'll certainly be a big old. <laughs> I mean, holy crap! Just the weird energy in that building. And I. I do think. There's the obvious excitement of getting a really good player back, but eh, he just put a restraining, filed a restraining order against the university, and this is this is an ongoing thing. And I I just, if I'm talking around in circles a little bit, I, I do think it's because there's just there's no playbook for this. Is there? I mean, the only thing I can think of, and this is, as many of these cases are apples and oranges, but Kobe Bryant, for example, going through that rape allegation in, what was it, the offseason in 2003, I want to say? Or was it 03 or 08? I think it was 2003. And that took a while to play out, and I forget how it all ended, but that was something that kind of hung over his head for a while. Somehow, when he had passed away, tragically, that was not always one of the, the things in the top couple paragraphs, Any good obituary would have mentioned it because that was a big part of his life story. That was a huge news story. But for this in our little quaint town of Champaign-Urbana in downstate Illinois, which I know is easy fodder for the Dan Bernsteins of the world, who I enjoy, but man, would he take this and run with it? Would he take this story and run with it and say, well, look at Illinois, they're just and that's going to happen. If Terrence comes back, that's going to happen. There will be talking heads and there will be opposing fan bases. That'll be like, "Are you kidding me? This guy's charged with rape." But if I'm 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 thinking about this, right? When I was up in Michigan over Thanksgiving, I asked a few of Kara's family that are Michigan fans, "Hey, so what about this, you know, Michigan cheating scandal and Jim Harbaugh and they would say, "Well, you know, yeah, I mean, in other words, they were saying, yeah, it's not great, but they're still our team. I think the nature of fandom is you are going to, if not turn a blind eye, you're going to look for the best of any situation involving a player or coach that you root for. And that does mean that we may be stepping in it a bit in the eyes of other fan bases. I don't know if that's so much the concern, but again, as I, as I mentioned before, as a fan, the thing that you need to reconcile individually is how do you feel about this and how would you react going forward? If he plays, I'll tell you, I mean, I'll get into my thing, which I already kind of have, but I feel like my thoughts are kind of evolving just as I'm talking. So I want to hit up some of these, these chat window things here. So, okay. From Joseph, I hope this doesn't backfire in terms of team chemistry. Like if he plays with the case hanging over his head, also feel like this puts the university in a really tough spot. A few things there, Joseph. One, I'm not really worried about team chemistry. Everything they've said, and even little nuggets like what Justin Harmon said after the Northwestern game, which I heard briefly on 1400. I think the team is firmly in Terrence's corner. And they are very much, okay, whatever they said happened to Lawrence, that's not what happened. So I don't think the team chemistry would be disrupted. I don't think that even a Brad Underwood, right? Brad Underwood to me, for good and bad, and when when he's winning, it's great. When, it, it's, when he's not winning as much as you'd like him to, maybe it's a little bit annoying. But he is kind of a businessman. And, and what I mean by that is he's very bottom line. When we got Iowan Kofi, we didn't really speak it out loud, but we probably wondered, well, how do we get Iowan Kofi? Remember how much in the depths we were. I had no question that if Brad Underwood had been our coach after Bill Self, unlike Bruce Weber, he would have played ball. And what I mean by that, you can read in between the lines however you want, but he would have done whatever it took to get the best roster possible. And if that meant fudging a few things here or there, so what? And you know what? As I talked with Lon very often on 93.5 fine if you want to be big boy basketball sometimes you got to do things right and morally that didn't necessarily bother me now this is a different thing here because this is a criminal charge a very criminal charge that Terrence is facing but for Brad Underwood I think he would be able to compartmentalize pretty damn quick oh um okay so Terrence is back well, I'm not a judge. I'm not in the court system, so I guess Terrence is back. I don't think it'd be much of a negotiation, Joseph, for the players or for Brad Underwood. I think it would just be, okay, hey Terrence, good to see you again, and they would just get on with it. And this is one benefit of an older team. If you're, if you're concerned about team chemistry, and with something this big, that is totally understandable and fair, but I don't. that does not concern me at the moment if he were to come back. From Lacanthe, hey Lacanthe, and I mentioned earlier that would they let him play, and Lacante said yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's it's very black and white in that regard. If the restraining order is granted, then he's back. Now this is a good point here from Jared. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry, from Joseph. And then Jared, I got you after that. Joseph says also restraining orders aren't forever. Correct? Like what happens if he gets suspended again after the restraining order? I, I don't know what the time limit or how they really work that out joseph I don't know what that that looks like that's beyond my very limited legal ease but I would say that we're talking about a case of we're talking about two months two and a half months essentially right I would imagine that since the court case itself would not get underway until probably after basketball season that they could let this thing stick the interesting thing will be if the U of I <laughs> How hard do they fight this? Do they get aggressive in court at one of their student-athletes? This is tricky, man. This is really tricky. Jared, I'm going to get to your thought and then try to stumble through mine. Jared says, Part of me wonders how he will play. Obviously, this is a very serious situation, but are we going to look at this two-week period as just a fever dream if he's allowed to come back? Possibly, Jared. I've thought about both things here. Like today, for example, sometimes when there's a story, you get antsy for breaking news and updates. And today we had a bunch of meetings at school. We got spring semester underway. The kids don't come back until Wednesday. And in one of those like down periods between meetings, I thought to myself, you know, what if this is just the team the rest of the year? And I thought, yeah, I I can go with that. I mean, I do think the ceiling is lower because you wouldn't have a Terrence Shannon coming back. It is a different team without him. But there's still a pretty good team without him and a very easy to root for team. So, Jared, you make this point about a fever dream, kind of. It doesn't, this might sound silly, but it doesn't help that literally it's been cloudy for the last two weeks and it's been cold and now we're about to enter a week where it's just snowy and slushy and then a an arctic blast next Monday and Tuesday. And the, the fever dream that you speak of, yeah, I could totally see waking up in early February like, oh yeah, remember when Terrence was out for a week and a half? What the hell was that? I mean, I've even pondered the fact that Kara and I are going to East Lansing to the Breslin Center to see Michigan State and Illinois February 10th. And I thought, I even at the, you know, a few days into this, when I started to get things trickling out from, from people in the know, and I know that sounds pretentious, but <laughs> I had the idea that I wouldn't be surprised if he was back by then. I really wouldn't be. And... It just seemed like there were enough kind of iffy things coming out of Lawrence, Kansas to make me think, well, what if they got the information back, him and his attorneys, and they have a way that they think they're going to fight this and either exonerate them or get the charges dropped or listen, the legal system, there are so many ins and outs with it, but doesn't it seem like often cases, big or small, they're there one minute and then the next they aren't. And sadly, the truth is with sexual assault cases that many of them, one, don't get reported in the first place, which is tragic in and of itself. But another, that many of these don't stick because of lack of evidence, which isn't necessarily good. (laughs) That's that's a bad thing. But speaking from a strictly legal perspective, it was not outside the realm of possibility to think that, okay, they get the evidence, they get charged, and they say, here's the evidence we had against you. And his attorneys say, that's bunk, we're going to fight it. It did not take long for his attorneys to say, he's innocent, we're going to fight it in court. And I do know that's what pretty much any attorney would say, correct? Uh, but them making this move 10 days in, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't reek of desperation so much as we're going for it right now. We're not waiting. There is an urgency, I'm sure, with Terrence and his camp. And why wouldn't there be? If he's innocent, then he's thinking, I am losing prime opportunities to better myself as an NBA draft prospect, to garner postseason awards, which that might be a pipe dream anyways now because of the charges and the stigma that comes with those charges. He's not going to shake that anytime soon. This is crazy. This is really crazy. And by the way, hello to everybody watching there on YouTube. Um, if you want to, fill the chat feed up with what you're thinking and feeling right now. Because this is a very kind of conflicted time where you got your allegiance to the basketball team. And for me, to the university. I mean, I'm getting my master's degree from there in May in education. And I got my undergrad there in 2009. My dad went there. And my sister went there. It's it's just, it's in the blood. So this is a very weird dynamic who is my allegiance towards? And we don't need to answer that in any black and white terms right now. But purely as a news story, this is crazy. This is really crazy stuff. So let me just check and make, make sure if there are any other updates. What I might do here is I know that Alana Inquirer posted an article as well. I had read Bob Asmussen's, but what I might do just to reiterate and also maybe get a different perspective from it is read Jeremy Werner's article that he published, let's see, 53 minutes ago. So that would have been at 5.07 p.m. Central Time on Monday night. This is Jeremy's article from Alana Inquirer. And again, YouTube chat, if you want to light up with any thoughts or or feelings you have about all this, because it is some big stuff. Illinois Star Guard Taron Shannon on Monday filed a request in the Champaign County Court for a temporary restraining order against the University of Illinois Board of Trustees to allow him to return to play with the Illini immediately, one of his attorneys told Alana Inquirer. The Illinois Athletics Department indefinitely suspended Shannon following his arrest for a rape charge in Kansas, which triggered the department's misconduct policy created under current Athletic Director Josh Whitman. But one of Shannon's attorneys, Mark Goldenberg, said that Shannon has not been given due process by the university or a three person conduct panel hearing his case. Goldenberg said the university's conduct policy has lacked transparency. And this quote I read earlier, but I'll read it again from Goldenberg, the attorney, the attorney. "Quote: TJs con- constantly maintain his innocence. All he wants is a fair process, and we don't think he's gotten that yet. He's been granted no due process rights, no presumption of innocence, no fair and complete open opportunity to defend the claim, end quote. A judge will hear the case for a temporary restraining order on Tuesday or Wednesday and rule on it. Either party can appeal the ruling. If the TRO is granted, Shannon, who, is, who has been suspended from all team activities, could return to the team, Goldenberg said. The number 10-ranked Illini host Michigan State on Thursday and Maryland on Sunday. Goldenberg said the temporary restraining order, and this answers a question from earlier, I think from Jared, would last 10 days but could be extended if both parties consent to it. Hmm. A preliminary injunction hearing, which is a more evidentiary and extended hearing, will also be set. Quote, we're hopeful the judge will maintain the status quo and reinstate him pending Terrence getting his fair due process. If the judge grants the TRO, he's reinstated. The judge could grant it Tuesday or Wednesday, and Terrence could play Thursday if that happens. And as of 53 minutes ago, the University of Illinois and Athletics program did not immediately respond for comment. Hmm, a couple things here. Temporary restraining order is addressed earlier in the YouTube chat feed. 10 days to start. This I found interesting. Okay. Either party can appeal the ruling. Okay. If the TRO is granted, Shannon, who has been suspended from all team activities, could return the team. Goldenberg, the attorney, says that it starts 10 days, but could be extended if both parties consent to it. Maybe I read that as if a judge comes back, and, and keep in mind, Goldenberg says status quo. I think status quo here is just the basic principle, innocent until proven guilty. Why be punished for something you have not been convicted of? And this is a livelihood discussion as outlined by Bob Osmussen in that 28-page filing. They talk about the money and the opportunities that are being lost here because he can't play on the court. They're being very transparent in terms of the financial implication of this. So to me, by Goldenberg saying, we're hopeful the judge will maintain the status quo and reinstate him, I think they're pretty damn confident. The status quo would be the judge saying, well, you guys are right. This is not a legal party. It is not within a, let's say, public school. I don't know if that has any difference from a private institution, but a public school appointing a three-person panel, the judge could say, hey, they don't get to decide whether he gets to play or not and grant the TRO temporary restraining order wow what a wrench thrown into this thing this is from ian i worry about how opposing fan bases will react if and when he plays could be some pretty hateful stuff sure again that that's just the reality of it i i mentioned in a podcast or two ago that there is among many big 10 fan bases skeletons in the old closet so when I'm up at Breslin Center for example I'm sure Terrence will hear some of it if he is playing that game but Michigan State has a lot of ghosts from years past with Larry Nazar being the biggest and most awful one of them like just one of the worst people of the last 20 years just truly abysmal Michigan State has that Penn State has their own history I would imagine that most of these Big Ten schools have had players with sexual assault, sexual battery, even rape charges against them. If you remember, I think it was Pierre Pierce for Iowa. And yeah, he got a lot of crap when he came here for a year or two when it was under Steve Alford. And I'm pretty sure there was some similar charge against him. They let him play. I remember very much Dan Bernstein on 670. Him and Terry Bores went after Steve Alford relentlessly for playing this guy that had this charge hanging over his head. And that's going to happen. If Terrence were to come back, yeah, you're going to hear that from talking heads and from opposing fan bases. So Ian, that is that is a distinct possibility. This is from Joseph. Yeah, I love Terrence, but as an alum, it'll be really tough. It'll be a really tough look if he comes back. And then a negative outcome happens in the trial. Absolutely. That could happen, Joseph. They are, in a way, putting all the chips on the table. And i be, by they, I mean the attorneys for Terrence. And Terrence himself, I would imagine. They're putting all their chips out there. I i have been reconciling this for the last week and a half, and I will continue to do so because there, there's not an easy answer to this. It is acknowledging the weight and gravity of the charge, charge is, and the allegations, but also certain factors that have not raised that five-alarm fire alarm in my head. One of those was Josh Whitman's press conference, where he was addressing what Terrence told them in the immediate aftermath of this. So I think it was the week after Terrence got back, they get a call from Lawrence PD, Terrence tells josh whitman and the athletic department hey here's what happened inappropriate touching in a bar to this point that has remained pretty consistent even in the police report that was filed which was had a couple of inconsistencies in there but still did have the rape charge on the left and the sexual battery charge on the right the inappropriate ch- touching thing has kind of been a consistent here The fact that the university did not feel that they had grounds from September, after September 9th, all the way until after the Missouri game when they learned of the charges. The fact that they didn't act, as Josh Whitman said, is they didn't feel they had any actionable information. In other words, Terrence says, this is speculative, but if inappropriate touching at a bar, that is essentially saying, yep, I hooked up with someone at a bar. And they said, okay, well, we can't really do anything with that. Because you're a college kid and college kids do stupid things when they're drunk at a bar. Right? But he could not have spoken to the element of consent. If in his mind there was consent and in the accuser's mind there was no consent, those are two very different realities, right? So I do understand why the university couldn't act on, oh, inappropriate touching in a bar and nothing else. And it would have been them stepping... Over the line, probably, in terms of, you know, acting as the attorney said, judge, jury, and executioner. They busted that one out in the filing, or at least in the quotes to Bob Osmuson and Jeremy Warner. But I digress. That would have been them overstepping. Them acting the way they did when the charges came through, based on the policy, made perfect sense. And it still, I think, makes perfect sense. If you were to ask me for a gut check, like, okay, what's right, what's wrong... What does your gut tell you, (laughs) Carp? Speaking in the third person here. I'm really trying to view this thing through the prism of each individual perspective. From Terrence's perspective, I'm innocent. This is bull crap. I should be playing. I'll see my day in court, and then I can prove my innocence. But until then, I don't really have any way to do that. I understand that. Uh, that perspective, I should say, because if you are someone that felt you got wrongfully accused of something and then you were essentially put into a metaphorical jail, metaphorical, not not literal, where you were unable to practice the thing that you most love doing or to practice your wares, in this case for him, it's being a basketball player, and that will be his, that's his livelihood. That's going to be his professional gig within the next year if he doesn't get convicted of rape in this case. So, yeah, I get his perspective. I get the perspective of the attorneys saying, you're giving us this three-person panel. They get to decide on this. And, from their their perspective, they're not getting any transparency from the U of I. Now, I can say this in very, using vagaries here, but, when you talk about institutions as big as the U of I, as much as I love the University of Illinois, for everything it's done for me and my family and all the memories and attachments I have to it. There was a time freshman year in the dorm where we got caught drinking beers in the dorm room. And I remember the rigmarole we had to go through. Yes. The of Limitations, is that gone? That was 20 years ago almost. But I remember the rigmarole through all the red tape and, and the bureaucratic stuff, just through the housing department, to avoid double secret probation or whatever it was because we were drinking a beer while watching Monday night football in our dorm room had to write like an essay had to do this, that, and the other thing. And then finally we got off scot-free. But I I just remember being in a room with an advisor or someone and they were essentially grilling me. And I'm like, you aren't, you, you aren't a cop. Who, Who am I talking to here now? I was living on in a university dorm, right? And they do have some jurisdiction. And they would argue maybe in court that they do have some jurisdiction over who gets to play on their sports teams. But if I'm the attorneys, I understand this approach where it's like, wait a second. No, you are not the legal system. The legal system is letting, they let him post bail and they said, we'll see you back in court on these dates. That's what, The court system said. According to the court system, he can live his life. He just has to be back there for those court dates. So why does a three-person panel at the University of Illinois, where we don't even know the people on the panel, and we don't know what the process is, why do they get to decide, or why do they get to ultimately be the people to decide if he gets to play basketball again? I get it. I get it. I also get from Josh Whitman's perspective, let's make this as independent as possible. We keep our hands clean as an athletic department. We keep the coaches out of it. We avoid any look of a conflict of interest. I'm going to make a policy that appoints an independent panel that will review the information and they get to make the decision outside of anything that we do or say to them. Makes a lot of sense. But even as a lawyer, there's a possibility that he didn't foresee something like this happening. And how could you? Best player on your team, best team you've had in three years, a chance to do some really good things, he gets charged with rape, yada yada, and here we are today, 10 days later. Insane. From Ian, it seems like the university has a lot to lose if this restraining order is granted, and it turns out TJ is guilty. Why wouldn't they lawyer up and fight back? He continues, as a fan, I want to see Shannon on the floor, but it seems like the university sure has a lot to lose in terms of PR if he's guilty, and they don't fight this restraining order. What does the university do? That's the next step. And I'm going to check before I sign off here and see if there were any uh, any new things that came out from the university. Uh, I know Jeremy's probably the person to follow, and that's at Warner 247 which you probably already do. And I would imagine there would be a statement forthcoming unless they just show up in court tomorrow or Wednesday with representation, and they do the talking there. But uh, before we sign off here, I'm just going to check and see if there's any updates before I get out of here, because... I don't know if, I didn't know if I was going to do another podcast between now and Thursday. Or I should say Friday, because I'm going to be at the game on Thursday. I'm just kind of looking at the Twitter reaction here, and it seems like some of the people are thinking that, well, this assures that he's not going to come back. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, It it just seems like this is them, I don't know, calling the university's bluff almost. And we'll see if the university fights it. Damn. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Did we solve a lot today? Probably not. Is it maybe more for me to just kind of work through my my thoughts and emotions with this? Maybe so. And hopefully that helped you to do the same. I think the takeaway is this in terms of because we kind of position ourselves as the fan podcast. I think it's even in our official Twitter or our official Apple podcast and Spotify title. When it comes to how we reckon with this, it's going to be messy and I think it's just, it comes down to individually, how are you going to reckon with it? You know, what, what are you going to do when you're at the State Farm Center or when you're watching these games if Terrence happens to be back on the court? But we will know more Tuesday, we'll know more Wednesday and I guess depending on the result or maybe regardless of the result, we'll have to do a quick podcast to react to it, but um, I appreciate those that tuned in kind of spur the moment on Monday night here. We were going to talk about the game on Thursday, which I feel good about. We were going to talk about the upcoming seven-game stretch for Illinois, which I feel really good about. I feel really good about this team, and I also know from a basketball perspective, Terrence is fantastic, but boy, oh boy, is this a whole big matzo ball of stuff to consider, and we'll sleep on it, We'll talk about it later this week. I'm sure that Jeremy will put a great podcast out there as well, and of fans will be consuming as much information as they can get about this, but what a bombshell. Terrence Shannon Jr. and his representation. Files a restraining order, a temporary restraining order against the University of Illinois. If granted on Tuesday or Wednesday, it would mean he could be immediately eligible to return to the basketball court. Whoa. All right. Got to thank our sponsors. DP Doe. Online at dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Go online to dpdo.com And hopefully after Thursday night, a big game at the State Farm Center, you can celebrate with a victory. Calzone. They're the best Calzone. Even, even Calzones after they lose are still great. But there's something so sweet about a Maui Wowie. After you get a Big Ten win against Tom Izzo and the Spartans. Which I think will happen on Thursday. DPDO.com. Also State Farm agent Brian Hanson. Online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Don't be left in the cold with this crazy cold snap coming up over the weekend. You want to make sure your furnace is tip-top shape. The technicians at Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing can make sure that it does. That's 217-841-4728. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hanson. Did I say that already? Did I do him, or do I got to do... Oh, no, Owen Builders. I'm sorry, Owen Builders. I'm getting my stuff mixed up here. Online at owenbuildersllc.com for patios, decks, and home additions. Check out their gallery of amazing work online at owenbuildersllc.com. If you want to support the podcast, support our sponsors. We appreciate it. They do, and I can vouch for them personally. They're all great individual people, great local businesses. I am uh, very lucky that I have their support for the podcast. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your week. We'll be back as, I guess, new information trickles in. And I hope this podcast was um, one that maybe you, as a fan, yourself could kind of work through your feelings about what is a very complicated story that will continue to evolve with Terrence Shannon and Illinois basketball. We'll talk soon, everybody. In the meantime, take care. And hey, go Huskies. Don't give me that Big Ten crap. Go Washington. Michael Penix, light him up. And bring that national championship, kind of, sort of, back to the Big Ten. I know it doesn't really count, but we'll we'll consider that it does. It is the 200 level.